Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. KXNO. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon, Ken Miller, uh, talking sports with you for the next couple of hours. Thanks for spending some of that um, of your morning here with us. On the BMW of Des Moines guest list, Matt Norlander, CBSSports.com, wrote a real um, intriguing piece on potential uh, college basketball scheduling coming up, a piece that's apparently been very well received by a number uh, of coaches. After it was published, we'll tell you more about it, and then we'll have Matt Norlander on uh, discuss the uh, feasibility and the likelihood we may ever see anything like that. Um, so we'll get into that with Matt Norlander uh, coming up here. Remember Bracket Buster? It's essentially Bracket Buster on steroids. Absolutely. Right? Instead of uh, eight, nine conferences, 22 conferences. Absolutely. And maybe just Better maybe. matchups. Major conferences down well, the that's line. That's the key. And according to Norlander, the feedback that he received yesterday was nothing but positive. So he'll join us on that. And NIL, I'm assuming as well, uh, with Matt coming up here at about 10, 10.25-ish. Uh, we will speak with Dick Girardi. Covers the, going to join us to preview the Kentucky Derby. Uh, of course, it's uh, Saturday night, about 5.30, 5.38 is when it's supposed to go off. Give or take, well, no, not give, uh, take no, give a minute. If you're on the other side of 538, are you giving a minute or taking a minute? I'm taking a minute. You're taking a minute. I so, don't know if you're giving or taking. I don't know It's either. a good question. So it's 538 is, is scheduled post time for the race. It won't be 537. We know that. It's In all likelihood, it'll go after. Uh, but uh, he will join us uh, here at uh, about 45 minutes, get his take on the most exciting two minutes in sports. Uh, Dick Girardi. And then we will talk some NBA on an off day. for. I didn't realize. Yeah. The NBA's taking a day off today. Kyle Irving from Sporting News, he's their, one of their NBA guys. He'll join us to talk about the NBA, what we've seen so far, what we expect to see going forward. Last night was kind of a stinker. You know what? In both NHL and NBA, both of our winter sports that are now in the throes of their playoffs, and we've been entertained, don't get me wrong, but last night wasn't one of those nights. Yeah, overall, these conference semifinals in the NBA compared to the first round have sucked. Yeah, that's I mean, true. Golden State Memphis has been fun, but uh-huh. short of that, it's been a lot of yuck. Yeah, it has been. Both I mean, Boston Philadelphia has no chance. No, not at all. No one's just overmatched. Did. Yeah, I thought maybe they'd hang around and it just mm-hmm. it didn't happen in a pull mm-hmm. away. And same thing last night, I flipped back over in the fourth quarter as I was rejoicing in the wild victory. And well, let's see if uh, the Suns can get things tightened up a little bit here. It didn't happen. They pulled away in the fourth quarter. Chris Paul was so while. good. Yeah, it was. He was, rather. Um, he scored or assisted on the first 19 points of the fourth quarter. That's unbelievable, Trent. I mean, think about that. Uh, Luka Doncic has no help. No. He, he has no help. Brunson, and that's it. 
Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, it's unfair to me to say he has no help. Brunson, and that's it. But, but he has one God, pretty good, good player, mm-hmm. and then a lot of yuck. Yeah, you need at least one more, right? No, Shaq yeah. talked about that. I think during the half, one of the half times of the uh, of, of the uh, games last night. Anyways, so that's the BMW Des Moines guest list: college basketball, little Kentucky Derby, little NBA. Speaking of the Derby, I spoke with Jerry Crawford this morning. Uh, owner of Mo Donegal, number one. We'll have him on tomorrow uh, at about 10.25. He'll actually be at Churchill Downs when he joins us and uh, get a little caught up in the atmosphere that's going on there. But he's got, uh, he loves his horse, and I can understand why. I think he's got a big, big chance. And he's 10 to 1 in the morning line, meaning that's where he'll start the betting. And I think he'll probably go off a tick or two higher than that, maybe 12, 15 to 1. Um, so we, we shall see. Baseball from yesterday, twins went down. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked that Aaron Judge would meet or his the the, the kid who um, got the got the home run ball, and indeed that happened in the Yankees dugout before the game. Another special moment for that young man. Boy, you know when you see that when sports gets you down, right? And they do mm-hmm. periodically. Well, we've had a lot of that with NIL. We have. It's it's moments like that that makes you, oh boy, that's so special. And what sports means and kind of takes you back to when you were a kid at times, you know, just the the awestruck sense that you uh, experienced or just the wow factor, the eyes wide open. Boy, I wish I could do that or I can't wait to grow up and I can be that type of thing. But when you see moments like that, it makes it um, makes you understand why sports mean so much to us. Absolutely. And not only the young man that got the baseball, but also the guy that gave it to him. Yeah, that was great. Had an opportunity to meet Aaron Judge. My other takeaway there, you see him play and you know he's a monster. And then you see him next to, quote unquote, normal people. (laughs) Good God. Yeah, I know. It's just, they don't make baseball players like that. He's like Herman Munster. (laughs) Right. He's just a behemoth up there. Huge. And seeing him shake the hand of the guy that gave the baseball and just his hand and devour his hand. Uh, when when he does that, yeah, was, that's a great point. He is a big, big dude. So early yesterday, speaking of baseball, you saw Mad Bum, Madison Bumgarner Trent, get ejected. That was egregious. That was just awful. Help me out here. Okay. I, I, so I will help you out. Um, so if you if you if you watch baseball, what you're seeing, what, what where it started, it was about a year ago, right? Was, when they yeah. started checking for the substance, mm-hmm. and they checked the belt. And do you remember? Was it Lance Lynn that got ejected because he, would, he had to take his belt off and he went to the dugout and he threw it at the umpire and yeah. he got tossed? I don't remember if it was Lynn, but I remember that. I think that. it was yeah. Lynn, but yeah. there was one of the White Sox. I'm going to say it was Lynn. I feel pretty confident about that. Mm-hmm. And he made an a-hole of himself, I thought. You know what? The ump's just doing his job. But yesterday, the ump was not doing his job. So what it has evolved to is the umpires aren't checking your glove they're not checking your cap. They're not checking your uniform for the most part. Maybe they do periodically. But when the pitcher comes off the comes off the mound and is walking back to the dugout, the umpire asks the pitcher to extend the palm of his hand, mm-hmm. his pitching hand. At that time, the, the umpire takes his fingers, just rubs the pitcher's hand, see if there's any sticky substance there. Yeah. Takes seconds. And... The ump goes back to his position. The pitcher goes back and takes a seat in the dugout. Now, yesterday, Baumgartner, who is, I don't know if he's tough on umpires. I mean, certainly you can see him taking a step off the mound and and maybe looking at first base or looking at center field before he cusses a mighty blue streak because he's not happy with the call. So he thought that the umpire behind the home plate was shortchanging him. So the guy that was in charge, I think it was probably the third base umpire, was going to come to his 
plate umpire's defense, right? You're mm-hmm. not going to show him up. So he took Baumgartner's hand and kept rubbing his hand on it while making contact with Baumgartner the entire time. Didn't take his eyes off of Baumgartner's eyes, yep. waiting for Baumgartner to um, meet contact with his eyes. Because Baumgartner's looking at his hand, right? Yep. So finally Baumgartner w- looks up, and it was a staring contest at that mm-hmm. point. And this process that normally takes a second or two, the umpire's just waiting for Baumgartner to say. He was provoking Bum to say something so he could toss him. Baumgartner had had enough, said something, tossed him. The staring. The, the, the camera view that I saw yesterday of the umpire, and the umpire's name is Dan Bellino. Yeah, don't know much about him. Must be new. Right. Don't know the name. Look like a younger guy compared mm-hmm. to a lot of the umpires. And he's just staring at him. Just all he's doing. And just He was waiting. He was provoking. And he kept patting the hand uh-huh. and rubbing it and tap, tap, tap. Yep. When are you going to look up? When are you going to look up? I need you to say something so I can toss you. It, it felt that it's way. exactly what it was. And we can complain about umpires. You complain about umpires more Well, than look, look at the Braves and the Mets last night. There was uh, uh, Azuna was in the batter's box. There were three balls that weren't even close. Strike three. Rung them up. Called three strikes on balls, Trent, that aren't even close. That's going to happen. That that guy's missed calls. Right. Three I, in a row you have a bigger problem with it than I do. Well, it's the box. Make it call yeah, a strike. But that's not what the box is. And with pitcher movement now, you know, ones that clip the bottom of the box and then hit the dirt. Is that really a strike? If in you, your world, if, it is. Yeah, if it's if you see it in 3D when they because some of the uh, I guess I think it's Fox has that 3D look. I if, anyways, go ahead, make your point. But for that. I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. Guys are going to miss calls. Yep. Try to get it right. Okay. That's not what this is. No. This is a guy... Picking a fight. Yes, absolutely. Great way to put it. Picking a fight. Mm-hmm. That's all that it was. This was not about the betterment of the game. This was not... No. A, he had concerns that there was a foreign substance on the hand, and that's no, why... No, think that. No, no. You're exactly right. <laughs> yep. There was probably something that happened in the past. I'm going to guess. There was something that went down. He was behind the plate. Mad maybe there's some him. history there. Yeah, maybe. I, yeah mean, I don't know that part, but it could be. Just or maybe it's just tape. This is a guy that has a reputation, and, and I'm sticking up for my I, guy. And I'm going to get my name out there. I'm going to be a person that people know because yeah. Yeah, I'm a young guy, and this is how I'm going to stay, and that's mm. how people are going to know. Whatever it is, it's not right. No, this is a much bigger problem. The guy's missing calls. Absolutely. People or, bought tickets to watch Bumgarner pitch yesterday, not to watch you at third base. Right. <laughs> and you're not going to see it. Well, you got an inning. And that's all you got. Right. To see one of the all-time greats out there on the mound. It's the part of baseball, the umpiring of baseball, that does get very frustrating. Mm-hmm. It's an incredibly difficult job. Uh, sure. Refereeing, yep. officiating, yep. umpiring, I all those I think basketball's things. toughest, but... They're all difficult yep. in their own realm. And then, but to couple it with things like this, and that's how baseball umpires and, and officiating in general gets a bad rap. Mm-hmm. When, like you said, you're out there looking for a fight. He was. Bad look for baseball. No, it was a bad look. Speaking of baseball, Tommy Birch, you read Birchie's piece in the Register today? I haven't yet. It's uh, it's, it's on my really. List. It, it takes you back twenty years ago, uh, Birchie. You're a very talented writer. Um, on Mark Pryor, on mm-hmm. Mark Pryor in his AAA debut at Sec Taylor, not Principal Park as it's known today, at Sec Taylor Stadium in two thousand two, when Mark Pryor made his way uh, through Des Moines. 
Uh, the number of starts, I think it was three. The piece says he made three starts here. He, I'd forgot about this. Mark Pryor took out a full-page ad in the Des Moines Register thanking the fans of Des Moines. Really? A full-page ad for a guy who was here for two weeks. That's great. Thanking him on his way to the show. Trent, the hype around this cat was... I'd was, never seen anything like it. Now, Kerry Wood had come through a couple of years prior. Um he wasn't here very long either, and there was a lot of buzz there. I happened to be in the ballpark for his for his first start at AAA that night. I didn't see Pryor, but I certainly remember the buzz around him. Um, but you forget about some of these things. And then to see you know, what went into it when he got to town and Jeff Lance. Did you ever meet Jeff Lance? No. Jeff Lance was the PR person uh, for, for, the, uh, for the Iowa Cubs that went to the Orioles. I think now he's in minor league baseball. Didn't we have him on for something? I don't know what it doesn't it, ring a bell with me. I thought we I'm pretty sure we did. I don't know if we were here we were paying our penalty up the dial. Um I was in sports talk jail. I deserved it. Um we had him on anyway. Okay. So, but just Jeff Lance and Mark Pryor playing catch at the ballpark because he, Pryor got into town late at night. And I'm spoiling the article. Read oh, yeah. the article. It's, I, it's I a definitely good, It's will. a good read. It's a good read. Tommy Birch did a nice 20 job. 20 years, boy. That 20 years, yes. Kind of flies by. Sure does. Number two pick behind Joe yeah, Mauer. Yeah, Joe Mauer because they didn't think they Sign-ability. could sign. Right. Signability. And Mauer, mm-hmm. the hometown kid, they mm-hmm. were able to do it. Who had a better career? Oh, Joe Maurer. Yeah. Joe Maurer's going to the Hall of Fame. You could redo it. Who would you pick? Mark Pryor. <laughs> because? He's a pitcher. Do you believe that, that collision that he had between first and second base? Yeah, it's talked about. I don't know. He because just had he was so, so many good. injuries. There were. And it's so weird, too, because... And Dusty Baker takes a lot of blame for the way he yes. used both him and Wood. Absolutely. Looking back at that time, and... Looking at his mechanics, I thought his mechanics were immaculate, mm-hmm. just absolutely beautiful. Just the effortless motion that he had getting the ball out. But I remember reading an article during the the late. I think he was with the Padres at this time, right at the end of his okay, career. Yeah, and there was an article talking about you might have thought that Mark Pryor had great mechanics, but this is why he was injured so much. And they kind of mm-hmm. showed you know the arm angle that he uses and and the kind of plane that he uses and the different pitch types that he had, and that was the reason for mm-hmm. the injuries. I mean, a lot of theories out there, sure. But, when he was right and early on in his oh career. Oh, my God. Whew, you thought the Cubs. They did. Well, they certainly didn't think it was going to be till 2016 when no. they were going to win a World Series. No, but those two guys at yeah. the top, and then, of course, Bartman and uh, Alex Gonzalez at shortstop mm-hmm. and had all of that stuff, and I don't need to remind Cubs fans, although, you know what, I probably probably could because I don't think it stings like it once did because right. they will have their, they did have their magical year of 2016. Pucks from last night, uh, the Minnesota Wild, we're going to talk a lot about them here as long as they stay in the mm-hmm. playoffs and our fingers are crossed that they're in for a long run uh, in this thing. Even the series last night and took it to the Blues. I you mean, could see right away. Them. And yep. it took them, what, half the first period before they finally scored. But just from the opening face-off, mm-hmm. they were locked in, yep. ready to go. The style that they were going to play was a little bit different. They were going to be more physical between the lines. I'm not a hockey guy, as you know, but I could see there was a huge difference right away in that game. And I should have lied, bet it even more because I was on the wild oh, even already. More. <laughs> but it, but I, I should have really just jumped oh, on right away yeah. and, and added a little bit more because it just had that feeling. Hockey is such an interesting sport to me because I don't know it, obviously, the way you do and pretty much anybody that is any kind of hockey fan. I'm well, an April to mm-hmm. June kind of hockey right. fan. But as I watch playoff hockey and the momentum shifts that happen over the course of the game, the, the way the ice seems to tilt one yeah. way or the other, and yeah. it just... And it happens for five, mm-hmm. six, eight minutes at mm-hmm. a time where they can't get the puck out of the yeah. end. 
They're just waiting and waiting and waiting. And then ultimately how it happens, it's such a fun sport. And I know in person is even better than it is on TV. Well, just the speed. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. And one of the uh, betting podcasts that I listened to, they were talking about taking Kirill Kaprizov. And, you know, you can get him at a really good price over one and a half goals last night. Ooh, tell me you did. I didn't. Uh I didn't. And I wonder what a hat trick would have been. Yeah. Six to one, eight to one? Probably. Yeah, probably so. And he filled his hat last night. He scored into an empty net, and that series is one apiece, and they'll go back to St. Louis. And that'll be charged up. Oh, baby, that'll be a fun series. That will be a fun series. You know, we're talking, uh, since we're talking hockey, um, and I was going to save this to do more at 11.05, Sean McDonough, I don't think he gets his due. Mm-hmm. He's incredibly talented. Um, and look at look what this guy's resume. You know, Monday Night Football, College Football Playoff, World Series on ESPN Radio. Some of the stops along the way for Sean McDonough. Why isn't he mentioned amongst the, um, the Michaels, the Nance, the you know, fill in your big Joe Buck, mm-hmm. who you and I both love. Why doesn't Sean McDonough get the... I don't think he gets the credit he deserves for the career that he's had. I, I definitely agree with that. And probably doesn't get the credit when you look at just the sheer volume of big-time games that he's done exactly. in big moments. But maybe it's because it hasn't been sustained. It hasn't been a decade run at one mm-hmm. spot doing one thing. Maybe that's true. And that's yep. what you know him as. Yep. And because of that, Because he's bounced around. Yeah. Another thing that I found very interesting... You know, I, I really love sports media stuff. And it was... Uh, and uh, Andrew Marchand of the of the one of the New York Cowboys. New York, yeah. yeah. And John O'Ran, our, our buddy from uh-huh. Sports Business Journal, they have a podcast now, and they're talking about him. It was a few weeks back. about Sean McDonough. Yep, and talking a, a little bit about his career. And one thing that was mentioned, and it was a lot of the suits at ESPN when his voice cracked, and he has the voice crack yeah, moments a lot. Well, was it the Michigan Michigan State the fumble? Yes, game? that's uh, that's that an all time voice crack. Yeah. He had one, though, in a Chiefs Monday night game during his run of Monday night football. And there were multiple executives, apparently, at that time that said that's enough. They just, they thought the vice really? cracks were too much and they just didn't like it. Now, again, these are suits. Everybody has their own opinion on things, but I love it. I get so a kick out of it. That's what the, that's. There's, the, at least there were people at ESPN that said no more. Interesting, Trent, because I can, when you said that, I can actually hear his voice cracking. Mm-hmm. But that's a big enough of a uh, red flag to stunt. I mean, I I think he's as good as there is in the business. The flexibility that he has. I mean, I'm guessing he didn't grow up playing hockey, right? I'm pretty sure. He grew up in Massachusetts. His dad's Will McDonald. I guess he could have. He's not the biggest cat. Um, His dad was of of Will Will McDonough NFL fame, right? That's who I think of when I think of newsbreakers. Sure. He was the first. He was. He was the first. On NBC and Peter Vesey in the NBA on NBC. Those were the guys. So many people talk about Peter Gammons and things like that. For me, yeah, Gammons certainly had his his, his, That was a little bit later. Early on, it was McDonough. It was Will McDonough. That was the guy that was different than anything you saw, certainly on CBS, Mm -hmm. when they had Jimmy DeGreek and all those guys. This was a real news person. Yes, he was. That, that was telling you the stories and felt like he had every GM and coach's phone number and he could just call him up an hour before the game started. Mm-hmm. Remember also those pregame shows, well, for a while they didn't start till 1130. Yeah. And right. then it was 11 and they got a full hour yeah. leading into the game. I how wonder. Are they, they going to fill that much time? I would love to go back and uh, when I started watching Super Bowl, so probably 70s, mm-hmm. how long was the pregame show back oh. 
An hour? Maybe a half. <laughs> I wonder what it was. Yeah. Now you turn your TV on at noon. Mm-hmm. NFL Network turned on at 8. You turned on two weeks before. And and they're going. Um, I got the McDonough, Michigan State, Michigan. Yeah, so, so yeah, play this. This is the Bill Bender lookalike when they, when they <laughs> right. call it the Surrender Cobra. Yeah, he's got the hands up over on the head. Couldn't believe it. So let's listen to Sean McDonough's voice crack. 23-21, setting the stage here. Michigan leading. They're going to punt it away from about midfield. Fourth and two. <laughs> Ten seconds left on the clock. Whoa, he has trouble with the snap, and the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State's Jalen Watts Jackson, and he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. <laughs> See, I get. I mean, we were listening for it. Mm-hmm. Is that egregious? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think that's what makes him what he is. He's I'm, passionate. Yes, absolutely. I think he's got a great play-by-play voice. And for him to be the, the scope, the range that this guy had, regardless of sport, he did the Masters for crying out loud. Here is the uh, other call. And this so is this the is one the one you're talking about? The, that apparently it? was too much Except for the, a suited ESPN. Monday Night Football in Chiefs, Kansas City. Titans. And this is what we hear. The ball has come out! Derek Johnson, the all-time leading tackler in the history of the Chiefs, with a touchdown for Kansas City! Marcus Peters ripped Down by a point, that was the one that gave them the lead back. That was a wild card game. And they're only... I remember playoff game at this time. Right, yeah. That's okay, probably that, had something that, to do with That's it. still not, not... He wasn't fired. He should have taken an extra breath in there. He was out of breath. Yeah. It's tough. Play that one because that was kind of awkward. It, it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't his best call. No. The ball comes out! The ball has come out! Derek Johnson, the all-time leading tackler in the history of the Chiefs, with a touchdown for Kansas City! That's bad. That's cringeworthy. That's cringy. All right, now we know the answer. There it is. There's the answer why he was. Um, ah, he's good. He's good. Him and Ray Ferraro, who's the, the color guy, and I guess a lot of you don't know who he is. He's probably as popular a color guy uh, in Canada. Speaking of that, who was uh, on the crew for the Wild Blues game last night? Uh, Kevin Weeks and uh, Kevin Weeks is the analyst. I don't. I can't think of the play-by-play guy. He's a, he's an ESPNer. Okay. Um. I knew the voice, but I couldn't place it, and then I just went back and watched. Yeah, he, he's in the ESP. I think he's a college. I don't know. I think he's college basketball. Okay. Uh, anyways, we'll get our time out. Uh, Matt Norlander. Speaking of college basketball, a bold new college basketball flex schedule model. Non-conference games into February. This is bracket buster, but it just takes it up to an entirely different level. Matt Norlander will join us next. Dick Girardi will go live to Louisville. We'll be there a couple of times in the next two days. Uh, Dick Girardi today and uh, Jerry Crawford tomorrow. It's time right now for another $1,000 home run. Enter this nationwide keyword at KXNO.com. And the keyword is money. Money at KXNO.com. Your chance to win $1,000. Money, KXNO.com. Another one coming up in the 11 o'clock hour. Miller and Condon, quick timeout on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3. 210 4th Street. All right, 1030, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. 
We have to move Matt Norlander from CBS Sports. We'll effort to push him into the, uh, into the second hour mm-hmm. of the show, 11.05 perhaps. Uh, Darren Ravel uh, sent out a tweet this morning regarding um, a site that you and I both not only pay for, but frequent a whole bunch, and that's The Athletic. Their operating losses, uh, Ravel sourced this from the New York Times. In 2019, The Athletic lost $54 million. In 2020, The Athletic lost $41 million. In 2021, they lost $55 million. Trent, that's about, that's averaging just under $50 million in losses a year. How is this sustainable? I mean, I don't know their business model, mm-hmm. but I'm guessing most business models don't have a, uh, well, if we lose $50 million, we're doing good. We're doing fine. Well, the thought process is, I think the target number that they're having for subscribers was $15 million. And uh, I read the article in the Times talking about this Oh, you did read bit. it? Yeah. They uh, also mentioned that they're, I think, Nine million is kind of what they have hit. That's the highest number of subscribers that they have had, mm-hmm. and trying to push that up to fifteen million. And well, they're giving it away for a buck a month. Well, and that's not the biggest thing. Their biggest thing is they get your credit card on file, and you never cancel, and sure, uh, and it just goes in perpetuity. That's what they hope for, right? And that's ultimately they're, what that's, it is. they're not alone in that business right. model. There's a lot of people right. that go that direction, and and that's the hope that they're able to do. So uh, that's one part of it. The other is, well, why would the New York Times buy yeah. The Athletic, right? right. Why right. would they Why would they spend the money for this that has been a lost leader at this mm-hmm. point? Well, subscriptions and people combining, and apparently by the fall, they're going to have some kind of package where you can get both The Times and The Athletic oh, together. Oh, is that right? But they have seen a bump of people that have subscribed to The Times because of the connection and huh. however they figure that out. Because of the athletics. So that's the thought process. This is a long-term deal. This is something that they're looking at their portfolio big picture. And, and the New York Times, you know, they have other entities kind of like this that right now are losses, but they look at it big picture-wise. And gotcha. are we getting people to subscribe to the Times? Yeah. And that's the thought process behind it. So I know some people are, are painting doom and gloom about it. but Well, I'm fearful because I love it. I yeah. spend more time reading The Athletic than anything. I read The Register and The Athletic and ESPN. A little bit. Yeah. And SI.com, possibly. And, uh, you know what? Uh, the Ross Dellinger is almost yeah. making me... I said a couple of days ago, he's been all over this NIL stuff. He's I mean, been great. He's been really, really good. The the thing that worries me about the NIL, uh, at least today's fear, not fear, um, Greg Sankey from the SEC, mm-hmm. George Klyavkov the, from the Pac-12, the presidents of those respective conferences, they went to Washington on their own. It's not like they were summoned, mm-hmm. you know, come here, <laughs> get over here, and we that's need to talk a to you. Times. Right, and that's what you don't want, right? So they actually got on a plane and went to Washington to ask for help from the politics. Look, I hate when politicians get involved in sports. Mm-hmm. I think that they're grandstanding most of the time. Maybe that's a political thing. I'm, I'm starting to realize that it is. <laughs> the more and more I Just a little it, bit. Huh? Just a tad, right? Um, but when when you're not actually going there to testify, um, when you're willingly going to talk to them and ask for help, I mean, what does this tell you? That there's no plan, that it's too late. That's what it tells me. Look, if they get there and they get a bunch of politicians, yeah, there's something wrong. We're going to look into it. It's not like it's going to be fixed on Monday. Right, exactly. This is is months, not if not years, right? This is something that's going to take a long time. And they were very close to having something in place 
about a year ago at this time. Because was it the NCAA when they were in front of them? Yes, and they were trying to figure out a way to make this possible, but states were going live, what, July 1st of oh, last year. that's right, yeah. I think Florida was the first one. A lot of states one. did it on their own. Yep, and there were a couple that were going that route, and mm-hmm. finally they said, well, we're just going to throw our hands up, and states are doing this on an individual basis. We're going to figure it out. Uh, speaking of states, we know the SEC's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And Alabama, their first kind of NIL law looks a lot different than what it actually currently is. Tennessee, so right now we know that coaches are not supposed to be talking to these collectives. Right. We know they all are. Of course. But you're not supposed to. Mm -hmm. Tennessee apparently has rewritten their law to make it okay for the coaches to talk to these collectives and say, yeah, give some money to that kid. Give more money to that kid. Right. That one... He's on our list, but he's down there. Slow play him a little bit. Have you seen the success or the lack of success in the football stadium? Neyland Stadium, which used to be packed, mm-hmm. you can get in there easily now. They don't like that. They want to compete in the Philip Fulmer era. They want to get back to those days, and now they see an opportunity to do so. So I'm not surprised <laughs> that they're changing. And in fact, I think one of the politicians, I can't think of her name, is from Tennessee. That, yes. Um, I don't. Know, I can't think of her name. Yep. But she's a Tennessean. That the the, uh, the two uh, league commissioners are going down to meet because they got to put something in place. You have to. There's right? free, in free agency in football. Yeah. There's also a salary cap. Sure. No. There are legal legal tampering times mm-hmm. that that you're allowed to talk to people. There are safeguards in place, even at professional sports. There's nothing here. Nothing. There is absolutely nothing. Bob Bowlesby in that article was quoted as saying, "You know, we had an opportunity to do it. We did yeah. nothing, and mm-hmm. and here we are. This is what you get." Yeah. When you don't put anything in place, this is going to happen. I wonder if the the college athletes that are uh, cashing in here now, if in three or four years will we will those people those well, I wish I could have got mine if I was only born two years earlier. Oh yeah, I could have got ABC. Now I'm stuck making X Y Z. But how many people have said that throughout the course of time? Sure, absolutely came through at the wrong time. Yeah, Kirby Puckett signed a three million dollar contract. Yeah. I thought sports was over. Yeah, my, my grandpa he was going to drive off the road. I mean, just right. that amount of money for a baseball right. player. I'll never forget. I thought the exact same thing. Maybe I was old before my time if your grandpa was saying the same thing. Yes. <laughs> not a very good reflection of me. <laughs> but that's where we go when right. we go that's through true. these periods and, yep, and it's true. all going to be okay. It's ruin and it. I continue to hear, what's going to happen inside the locker room? You know what's going to happen? The quarterback that's getting a big deal, he's going to take his offensive line out for chicken wings and he's, mm-hmm. he's going to buy the round of beers and it's going to be fine. How do they handle it inside professional locker rooms? The exact same way. You figure it out, right? Mm-hmm. These are still... Adults, they're all going to be okay. Is there going to be infighting? Yes, there's infighting everywhere, though. And it doesn't matter if it's at the office and you're at the cubicle and Bill in accounting, he's an a-hole and he makes another $20,000 a year and you hate him. Yeah, but you figure it out, right? It's going to be okay. And this Does goes Bill back join to my you Friday night after work for drinks or do you leave Bill? You don't I, tell Bill. I don't want to go out with Bill. Yeah. Bill sucks. Right. <laughs> there's going, everything is going to work itself out. And that goes back to my tirade the other day. Ultimately... I'm going to be watching. Uh-huh, it's course. still going to be college athletics, yep. and it's still going to say Iowa and Iowa State and Notre Dame and Ohio State across mm-hmm. the chest, and we're still going to watch regardless of how this all plays out. Indeed we are. All right, Dick Girardi coming up. We'll spend a few minutes on the uh, Kentucky Derby again. Post time is on Saturday at 538. Matt Norlander is confirmed. He will join us to kick off our Good. number two, 11.05. We will have Norlander on his Great piece, if you haven't read it, it's, at cbssports.com. It's a great idea. I hope it happens. Mm-hmm. Like, I was always, uh, speaking of your grandpa, I'm kind of, I remember that this year, I mean, every year, when the, when the Big 12 pauses, 
to play the SEC early February. Like, God, God, why don't they? Why are they doing this now? And then wait, that's my take on Friday, and I come to work on Monday. Trent, that was unbelievable. That was fun. Oh, my God, that was good basketball. I'm so glad I watched that. It's every year. Uh, anyways, uh, if this does happen, we shall see. And to what extent will the power conferences join in? Uh, bracket Buster on steroids. Matt Norlander on that to kick off our number two. We'll talk some NBA as well as they take a pause in their schedule tonight. Miller and Condon on a rainy, drizzly, miserable little Thursday on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.com. No monitoring. You always have somebody look. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Matt Norlander from CBSSports.com. He'll kick off our number two as we had to move him. Well, let's head to Louisville, Kentucky, shall we? Uh, the home of the Kentucky Derby. The most exciting two minutes in sports. Dick Girardi's covered multiple derbies. Final fours as well. A bunch of those on his resume. Philadelphia Inquiries here for on behalf of BetOnline.ag. Dick, Trent Kahn is my partner. This is Ken Miller. Thanks for coming on, Dick. How are you? I'm great, Trent. Ken, how are you guys? Doing well. Dick, um, I want to pick you go right to the the field, if we may, um, and, and get your take on the Japanese horse. I, who I've, I've never seen anything like it, the way that uh, this horse trains, Dick. I, I joked yesterday uh, that I'm sure he comes uh, off the track. Uh, they wash him down and they hook up a plow to him and they send him out into a field because he works his you-know-what off. Uh, you've been around a long time. You, I'm guessing, have never seen anything like this either. But it might be effective. He looked phenomenal yesterday. No question. Yeah, it is unorthodox. It's certainly not the way it's done in the USA, but there's a zillion ways to do it. And as we know, the Japanese horses in the last yeah. six months have had this yeah. incredible worldwide success. Start with two wins in a Breeders' Cup, Saudi Arabia, Dubai. So I was up on the fourth floor yesterday during the Oaks Derby workout period, 730 to 745. Lucky guy. And uh, Pride was back in the one-mile shoot doing figure eights, doing everything, getting ready to come out to have his final time workout. He actually had a time workout on Wednesday, and he came rolling through the stretch, and I'm watching him, and I, I don't have a clock on him, but I'm standing there with Mike Welsh and Dave Brenning from DRF, and, and I'm watching, and I'm going, oh, my God, this horse is just so smooth. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, he can't be really running that fast, but he just looks so good. And then it's 22 and change for the final quarter. I know. Seriously? And it was under no pressure whatsoever. Now, what does that mean on Saturday? I don't know, but I do not think this horse can be dismissed like we would have done in the past. Look, this horse has no chance. I don't think I don't think that's a sensible move at this point. I think at least it needs to be considered. I have to use him. I have, and he's twenty to one in the morning line. Crown Pride number seven, number seven. Putting a little mark there next to that on my sheet here. Well, here, uh, as you could imagine, Dick, a lot of people are intrigued by Mo Donegal, Jerry Crawford, the Iowan sure. that uh, has that horse. Draws the one, not as big of a deal, at least they say, than in the past. Your takeaway at Modonical, the horse, and drawing that number one position. I think we don't have enough data yet because it's only the third year of the of the 20-horse uh, starting gate. But just by pictures, if you guys have seen any, uh, it's just on the racetrack. Before, you had to make a right turn right. from the one-hole to get on to the racetrack with the old two starting gates. So from that standpoint, it's certainly more fair um, and look, with the running style that Mo Donegal has, he's coming to the back anyway. Mm-hmm. So why not just stay ground? I figure he just drops out the back. He's 
15th or whatever after a half a mile, and then, then he starts, uh, Irad tries to get a position and, and see, see if he can finish. My only issue with Mo Donegal, and I, look, he's a really nice horse, is strictly running style sure. because of the 20-horse field. Yep. I just don't like deep closers or mid-pack closers in, in a 20-horse field. And if you look at the recent history of the Derby, since they've gone to the new point system, this is actually the 10th year so that, uh, that they've had it. The last eight years, the winner of the Derby after a quarter mile has been third, third, mm. second, 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 first, first, first. Mm. Avoid all the traffic if you have speed. That's what Mo Donegal, unfortunately, does not have. That, that's true. I did like the fact that he had to navigate through traffic when he won the Wood, his final prep race, but that was an eight-horse field. This is There's going to be 19 to get through uh, on yep. Saturday. Hey, Dick, what's it like? I mean, this is uh, this is Bob Baffert. Um, he, he owns this race. He's not part of this race this year. As we know, it's been a well-chronicled story that uh, he was suspended um, after last year. He had the, the, the winner was taken down. What's it like having a a Baffertless Derby. Do you notice a difference? Very much so. Yeah, it's strange. I, I got here um, Tuesday afternoon, so I was at the barn for the first time yesterday morning. And after I watched some of the, the workouts and everything, I went back to the backstretch. And I walked by Barn 33, where Bob has been forever, and it was like a ghost town. Uh, all of the signage, and he said, you would have seen American Pharaoh Triple Crown winner, oh. Justified Triple Crown winner, Silver Char, all gone. It's just bare. And, you know, there was everything there, but I was looking for the tumbleweed. It was just really <laughs> bizarre. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely different. You know, normally it would have been a half a hundred people there waiting yep. to talk to Bob. Um, and, yeah, but not having him here. Yeah, it's for, look, he's, whatever you think or don't think, he is clearly the biggest name in the yep. sport. And he's not here. Big news, certainly. The other name that you know, well, we talked about the trainer for Mordonegal, Todd Pletcher. Uh, what else does he have in this field? And fear somebody that likes to look at the trainer. What are some other names that we can look for since Baffert isn't around? I wish you wouldn't ask this question. My live long shot. He's oh. about to mention him. Go there ahead, Dick. Uh, you know, no, Todd's certainly live. He's won the Derby a couple of times. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's interesting. He's got Chargett, who's the second of the Florida Derby, also very lightly raced, but clearly talented. Mm-hmm. As you said, Mo Donegal and Steve Asmussen, who's done everything but win this race as epicenter. Chad Brown, one of the top names in the sport. Uh, Zandon, he hasn't won it yet, but you know he's going to win it. You know Asmussen's going to win it. So, yeah, it's, it's every year. It's the, the, the same guys, and then there's a couple other guys that come occasionally. But, yeah, it's the same guys. that Brad Cox, who, quote, unquote, won it last year, right? He's the official winner now with Mandaloon, uh, and he's obviously got several in. But, yeah. Half the, half the field is those traders I just mentioned. I just want a clean derby. No disqualifications. Yeah. No, no September <laughs> instead of the first Saturday yeah. in May. I like it. Right? It's <laughs> been a while since we've had Yeah, the long shot. I like uh, Pletcher's uh, charge it. Lightly raced, as you mentioned. Um I, I think he's got a big shot. So, Dick, here's my question for you. I, I think I try to outthink myself in this race every single year. It, it's so difficult to cash a ticket and because I just hate to play favorites. And I'm starting to think, you know what, since they changed the point system, it seems that they're more likely to be a part of it. Am I trying to over, outthink it and just go ahead and bet Epicenter and get in line and cash your ticket, swallow your medicine, because I think he'll be the favorite. He's the second choice in the morning line. But, boy, he looks like he's absolutely loaded for this race, number three epicenter he is the most likely horse to run well uh i just don't see a scenario where he doesn't run well so from that standpoint that's probably the safest play you can make now does he stand out over the over the whole field he really does i mean he's he's good 
but you know we're not talking American Pharaoh or Justify, one of those kind of horses. But yeah, I, I would approach this, and I think because of the new point system, you can look at this race like any other horse race. Don't try to overthink it. You know who's going to be where, who's going to be helped by the position they're going to get early in the race. All the fundamentals that apply to a seven horse race in the third race at Prairie Meadows for five thousand, right. they apply. Uh, and just and the horses that they can't win that aren't fast enough, they're not winning. It's just, it's not going to happen. So yeah, don't overthink it. it. And I look, I like the fact that Epicenter got inside because I think that forces their hand. I think they have to be aggressive, and I want them to be aggressive. I want this horse to be in the top four coming out of the first turn because that's who I like to. Well, we're looking to make a little money here. I'm just a novice when it comes to this, but Dick. You uh, finished third in the Breeders' Cup Betting Challenge back a couple of years back with a cold $2,000 exacta. <laughs> what do you got? Give us some advice here for uh, this weekend. Yeah, so I'm going to frame all of my plays around Epicenter. He's going to have to finish in the top four if I get all the way to a Superfecta. And I probably won't because I typically only play Derby Superfectas where I've isolated a winner. Uh, like California Chrome, I played really heavy because it was a free space. I was, I was sure he was going to win the race. I'm probably going to end up in exactas and tries, and if he can finish in the top three, then i got to fill out with horses like, say, what, a Barrio, uh, you know, possibly the Japanese horse, just trying to get the best potential value. I'm a little against Zandon. It's not because I don't think he's a good horse, because mm-hmm. I do, and I'm a huge Flavian and Pratt fan. I think he's got the same problem Bo Donegal has, just a running style situation. Um, and if he's going to be the favorite or the second favorite, I'm probably going to try to get him off my ticket. But, yeah, everything's going to be framed around Epicenter. You can feel confident if Epicenter doesn't run in the top two or three, I'm not cashing. <laughs> likewise. You know, you're taking, a, you're taking a stand against Zandon. I'm doing likewise with Taba. I mean, you go in a six furlong maiden event, then you come back, you win the Grade One Santa Anita Derby. He has to regress at some point. He's not a super horse, is he, Dick? Well, and it's a question I don't think we know the answer to. I'm not where you are. I understand the skepticism, but as I think you guys know, I'm a member of the Buyer Speed Figure team, and he's got the numbers. Yeah. And I'm a numbers guy first and foremost. And if Table was a closer, I would say no. Because uh, he would remind me kind of Curlin back in 2007, who was clearly the best horse right. in the crop that just wasn't ready to win the Derby. But he's a speed horse. He's a California speed horse. So I think there's a chance he gets good position along with his stablemate Messier. And Mike Smith really understands how important position is in this race. Watch Mike on day, but he'll hustle him out of the gate. And if he comes out of that first turn in the top three and in a good spot, I'm not saying he can't win. <laughs> I mm. won't do it. Not the way the race is anymore. It's not like it used to be where you needed the foundation, you right. needed two-year-old form. You just need to be the fastest horse. Yeah. Dick, you mentioned uh, Messier. Of course, the name jumps out because of Mark Messier and people yep. uh, going down that route in NHL playoffs going on right now. But his jockey, John Veliquez, who's won, what, three, four times at the Derby? Mm-hmm. Does How much does jockeying go into Huge. your handicapping? I think it's helpful. I, and look, I think it, it, it's called horse racing for a reason, right? No jockey can make a slow horse run fast. Yeah. But having said that, if you're in between, you're not quite sure, and you've got a guy like Johnny V who's finished first in the last two derbies uh, and did it the same way both times, wire to wire on Authentic and then uh, last year on Medina Spirit. And I think you can make a really good case. Messier is the fastest horse in the field. Uh, and I know what he's going to try to do. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you he's, he's, going, he's trying to go to the front. And if they let that horse loose on the lead, look out. 
uh, he's certainly talented enough to win. Fascinating race. Dick Girardi, betonline.ag. Dick, thanks for doing this uh, for the second year in a row. Certainly appreciate your insights. Uh, very envious you're uh, up uh, at, at Churchill Downs. Just love it there. Thank you, Dick Girardi. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Yeah, good to talk to you. Dick Girardi of a long time. Philadelphia Inquirer covers the Final Four and horse racing. His beat. Pretty good beat. Pretty good spot to be uh, this this week leading up to this race. It's a fascinating race. So in the past, when you've been to the Derby, lately you leave before the race. Though. Today I'm on my way home. Thursday I leave. Get the hell out of town. So what are you looking for? Because, again, I'm such a I, novice Well, this. see, I look at it differently, right? I, I look at it. I like to watch the horses work out in the morning, mm-hmm. and you can go online to KentuckyDerby.com and you can watch their workouts. I think I have a pretty good trained eye for what I'm watching after yeah. calling 40,000 races, right? right? Um, so I just like to see how they look with their strides and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you exactly who I like tomorrow. I, I like I do like a couple of long shots. I like 20-to-1 horses. Uh, the Japanese horse is a freak. I'm going to use him. I'm going to use a horse by the name of Charge. You know what I'll do? I'll send you my picks, and you can put them up on the Miller Condon Twitter account. Okay, that'll be great. Just uh, have them there. So tomorrow, um, Emery Songer and I, Emery's a big horse racing guy. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tape his show, Emery Plus One, Yep, that airs on Friday night at 6 o'clock. And I think we're just talking derby. I mean, I don't know what else he's going to talk about, but Mm -hmm. um, he and I are are recording the show tomorrow morning, and it's going to be all in the Kentucky Derby. All derby talk. into it, get your program, your pencil ready, and... (laughs) Because um, I have spent hours on this race already. You have hours. Twenty-two horses. Uh, well, t- oh, there's only twenty in the race. There's the, only yeah, twenty in the race. The twenty-one and twenty-two only get in if one horse scratches. Gotcha. But I think I'm. But I think the same every year that I'm fi- that I'm going to win this race, and I get crushed. It's so hard to win because I outthink myself. I outthink myself, and I refuse to bet favorites. So you don't want to go down the road in what is it right now? Epicenter. Epicenter's the yeah. second choice, and I think he's. I think he's the winner. I think he's clearly the horse to beat. But I got a couple. Uh, Cyberknife, uh, Charge it. I think Crawford's got a big chance. I do. I think Mo Donegal's got a big chance. We'll talk to Jerry Crawford tomorrow morning on the program. Matt Norlander kicks off hour number two. CBS Sports. We'll get back to college basketball. Uh, with Matt Norlander and then NBA basketball, basketball heavy, Trent's play of the day, Circus Sports sponsors it. That comes up at about 10 minutes before noon. Miller and Condon, one hour to go on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.